Thank you for joining us today. God is true to his word. He takes care of his children. In all aspects of our lives, we must make godly decisions and trust him for the outcome. The ever-increasing deprivation in our secular society is unrelenting, yet we should not be surprised because God said these things would be. We must stand firm, always making godly decisions no matter what. Listen as Pastor Rander ministers to us with Bible, pen, and paper handy. Now, why why does God hate hypocrisy? Why does God hate hypocrisy? Number one, you're not being the person that God created and saved you to be as his child. When you're a hypocrite, you're not being the person that God created you to be as a saved Christian child of God. That's why God hates hypocrisy. God can't bless hypocrisy. You can't soar to your God-given potential. And that leads me to number two. You cannot live up to your God-given potential. God has a plan for your life, a purpose for your life, and he can't get you where he wants you to be if you're trying to be something you're not. You see? Number three, because it is deceptive and you are living a lie, and God hates that. Hypocrisy is deceptive and you're living a lie Even though deception is a lie, oftentimes it appears to be truth up front. It looks like it's true up front. However, in the process of time, the real truth will be revealed. Number four, life is too short not to be yourself in the Lord. Listen, I don't have time to be uh, another kind of preacher. I don't have time to be imitating another kind of preacher. Uh, I have to be myself in the Lord. Other preachers that come up here and preach, that are the members of this church, uh, I don't expect them all to do preach like me and to do like me and to have my personality and have all these kinds of things because we're all wired differently. We're not the same. Our personalities are different, but we ought to be preaching the same gospel, sound gospel, huh? unashamedly to the glory of Almighty God. Now, that ought to be the same, but we all have different gifts and different ways of presenting what we do to God. Life is too short. Listen, be yourself in the Lord. Your time is almost up, and you don't have time to be a pretender. Number five, you are ripe to be used by Satan, who is the master deceiver. If you live a life of hypocrisy, you are ripe to be used by the devil, who is the master deceiver. Uh, Number six, you are not exercising good stewardship with your God-given energy. You know, if, if if you're trying to pretend, put on a show, play act, try to be something you're not, it takes a whole lot of energy to do all of that. Man, I'm tired. I can't, I can't do that. I gotta be myself. I got to hear God. I can't hear God if I'm a hypocrite. I, I, my, my, my life needs to, you say, how do I know? If I'm a hypocrite or not, is your life lining up with the word of God? When the word of God says it, are you doing it? If the word is saying one thing and you're living another kind of way, you're being a hypocrite. It's as simple as that. It's not, it's not no special formula. Just be consistent. Your life needs to be consistent with what the word of God is saying. Listen, we don't have much time and I, I don't have so much energy and I don't need to be spending my God-given energy trying to be somebody that I'm not. Number seven, you cause others to stumble because you send a mixed message, especially to your family and the church. 
You send a mixed message, and Satan is the author of confusion. So you cause people to stumble. Hypocrisy causes your child to stumble, your husband, your father. Somebody lost a co-worker to stumble, a neighbor to stumble. You have to be a Christian wherever you go, letting your light shine for Jesus. Number eight, about decision-making. The higher your position, the greater your challenges and difficulties in decision-making. Did you get that? Now, that's a big one. The higher your position, the greater your challenges and difficulties in decision-making. Let's look, if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 through 28. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 through 28. We're going to see some baby mama drama. You know, everything's in the Bible. Y'all see this stuff on television? Nothing new under the sun. It's all in the Bible. Watch this baby mama drama. It's some big baby, big time baby mama, baby mama drama. Just drama. Uh, look at 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 through 28. Sometimes later, two prostitutes came to the king to have an an argument settled. Please, my Lord, one of them began, this woman and I live in the same house and I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days later, this woman also had a baby. Can you see him before the, before the king? We were alone. Uh, there were only two of us in the house, king, but her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it and she got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. Now she sure saw a lot to be asleep. <laughs> she laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. Verse 21. And in the morning light, when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman disputed, it certainly was your son and the living child is mine. No, the first woman said, going back, it's mine. No, that, no, the living is mine. No, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. The living child is mine and the dead child is yours. And so they argued back and forth, back and forth, back and forth before the king. I see King Solomon shaking his head. I can see why he asked God for wisdom. Verse 23, then the king said, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours. And each says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right. Underline this. Bring me a sword. Tell you, kings don't play. These prime ministers and presidents and all these other folks, they play. But the kings don't play. Bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. You know, he wasn't going, that sword wasn't just say, oh, it's, it wasn't just to say, oh, this is a cute sword. No, he, he's, he had a purpose for saying, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. Then he said, cut the living child in two. And give half to one woman and half to the other. Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, Oh no, my Lord, give her the child. Please don't kill him. But the other woman said, All right, he will be neither yours nor mine. Divide him, king, between us. Then the king said, Do not kill the child. 
but give him to the woman who wants him to live, for she is his mother. When all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God had given him for rendering justice. Wasn't that a passage? And look how God used Solomon in that wisdom in governing that particular baby mama drama. Beloved, the higher your position, the more wisdom is needed for challenges and difficulties in decision making. Your decision making becomes extraordinary when God is in it. Did you get, you get what I just said? You make great, extraordinary decision when God's wisdom is in that decision-making process. B, don't be so quick to covet the highest position. Some people want the top spot. They're not satisfied unless they're on top. The CEO, the head of this, or head of that. They got to be on top in the ministry and so forth and so on. Don't be so quick to covet the highest position because with it comes more demands, with it comes more responsibilities, with it comes more stress, difficult decisions that affect the lives of the people you're in charge of and leads less time for you to be with your family. You may make more, more money, but you're gone. Your family don't see you. Many achieve the goals of getting to the top only to find when they get to the top that they are dissatisfied, discontented, and unfulfilled. And let me tell you this, just as the Lord elevated, the Lord promoted Solomon. Just as the Lord elevated Solomon uh, to the position of king over Israel, you too must remain a humble, faithful servant where you are And in due time, God will promote you. Say in due time. In due time could be one month, six months, six years. In due time, the Lord will promote you. First Peter 5, 6 says, therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you, lift you up in due time. Refuse to lose your character by manipulating politicking, or undermining those in authority over you, as in the case of Absalom, who undermined the throne of his father David. He chased his own daddy from the throne. Verse 2, I mean, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 5 and 6 says, uh, when people tried to bow before him, Absalom wouldn't let them. Instead, he took them by the hand and kissed them. He was politicking, undermining his daddy's kingship. His own son, how tragic. Verse 6, Absalom did this with everyone. He was just raking them in. Who came to the king for judgment and underlined this. And Absalom stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. Let me tell you something, my friends. This resulted in King David leaving his throne in Jerusalem and escaping for his life from his own son. 2 Samuel 15, verses 13 through 16, A says, a messenger soon arrived in Jerusalem to tell David, all Israel has joined Absalom in a conspiracy against you, king. 
then we must flee at once or it will be too late. David urges men, hurry, hurry, hurry. If we get out of this, out of the city before Absalom arrives, both we and the city of Jerusalem will be spared from disaster. Verse 15, uh, we, we are with you. You know, I underline that we are with you. Listen, when you're in trouble, you really find out who your real friends are. In the midst of the trouble, the heat of the moment, uh, he had advisors around him in spite of what was happening to him saying, we are with you. How sweet the words, his advisors replied. Do what you think is best. So the king and all his household set out at once. My friends, Absalom undermined the kingship and throne of his father. However, coveting and usurping the authority of his father's throne led to his own death. You say, how do you know that? Because of what 2 Samuel 18, 9 and verses 14 and 15 says. During the battle, Absalom happened to, now I'm skipping a great portion of the scripture because the passage is too long for me to read everything. Read it in your quiet time and you'll get the wholeness of the passage. 2 Samuel 18, 9, verses 14 and 15 says, During the battle, Absalom happened to come upon some of David's men. He tried to escape on his mule. That's a slow-moving thing there. Uh, How you going to escape on a mule? Amen. I bet bet he had a hard time getting him up first. But as he rode beneath the thick branches of a great tree, his hair got caught in the tree, His mule kept going and left him dangling in the air, suspended between heaven and earth. Verse 14, enough of this nonsense, Joab said. Then he took three daggers and plunged them into Absalom's heart as he dangled still alive in the great tree. Verse 15, 10 of Joab's young armor bearers then surrounded Absalom and killed him. Killed him. My friend, sin never works out. He usurped his father's throne and he ended up hanging between heaven and earth by his hair. I like what one person told me this morning. He said, God probably told that tree, grab his hair. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> grab his hair. Tree, grab his hair. That, that, that tree. <laughs> He's just hanging there. He's just bouncing there. All the enemies all around him now. Uh-huh. So you want to mess with your daddy, huh? We're going to show you a thing. Took them daggers out. Right in his heart. And kill the king's son. Man. Wow. Let me tell you something. Don't desire the top spot. Be content where you are. I'm not saying where you are, you have to stay there forever, all eternity. There's nothing wrong with moving up. But make sure it's not because of your greed. Make sure it's not because of your pride. Make sure that it's a God thing and not your thing. Because if you put yourself where God has not put you, God will use that higher position to whip your socks off. Are y'all hanging with me? Last point we want to make is this. We must make a decision not to compare ourselves with others. We must make a decision not to compare ourselves with others. Let me give you a definition of compare. 
Compare means to examine the similarities or differences between things or people. Compare means to examine the similarities or differences between things or people. It is to make a judgment and then draw your own conclusion. Let me reiterate it for sake of you who are writing. Compare means to examine the similarities or differences between things or people. It is to make a judgment and then draw your own conclusions. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, from New Living Translation, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. Let me give you the dangers of making comparisons. The danger, the danger of making comparisons. Number one, when you compare, it causes you to be dissatisfied with who God created you to be in the first place. And when you compare yourself with this person, with that person, comparing yourself with people on the job, in the church, or wherever it is, it causes you to become dissatisfied with who God created you to be. There's nobody on earth like you. No one else has your DNA. You are uniquely you to the glory of God. Be yourself in the Lord and stop comparing yourself with other people. Number two, comparing is dangerous because we are all sinners with a fallen sin nature. We are only comparing sinners with sinners. In other words, you compare yourself with this person or that person, somebody you like, respect, highly regard. Don't forget that they're a sinner just like you. The scripture says in Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Stop comparing yourself with other sinners. Number three, comparison violates the command that says you must not covet, which leads to jealousy. Comparing leads to envy instead of being content with, with what God has given you. Okay? It leads to covetousness. I wish I could have that. God, why you didn't give, how, why, why, why you couldn't make me a, a quarterback? The throw. Why, why can't I play football like that? Why did I get cut from the team? Why did I get the demotion? Why did I not get the raise? And I, I do more than that person. That person does this, 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 but I do all of this. And comparing, comparing, God knows what he has for you and what he has for you, no man can take away. Did you hear what I said? No man can take away. He knows. Number four, it causes contention, comparing causes contention, division, and strife in the family. It causes contention in the workplace, and it causes contention and strife and division even in the church. People compare. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 11 and 13, right in the church at Corinth, there was some comparison going on, and, and, and they were, they were uh, comparing those who were popular in ministry. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Verses 11 through 13 says, For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. That's right in the church. Contentions in the church. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul. 
That's a bad boy. He can preach. <laughs> Others, I'm of Apollos. Ooh, you haven't heard nobody until you heard Apollos. Uh, or I'm of Cephas. That's a preaching preacher. Or I'm of Christ. Then Paul says, challenging the church, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? In other words, why are you making this, all this big business over Paul? He's my servant just like everybody else. Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? In other words, Paul was challenging the church. Hey, uh, you're baptized in the name of Jesus, not Apollos, not Peter, but Jesus. Jesus. And my friends, don't you compare yourself with people because people don't measure up. Number five, we shouldn't compare because we don't know the hearts of people nor their private lives. The person you just love to hang around, oh, if I could just get around them, uh, they're so spiritual. Oh, they can teach. Oh, they can preach. Oh, they can do this. Oh, they know their job well. Oh, they so smart. Oh, they got it together. If I can just be just, stop it. You don't know their private lives. And if you could only, if only the walls could talk to you you'd have to repent of making big deal about the person you thought so much of. Huh? Finally, but not the least, it is impossible to grow spiritually when comparing ourselves to gifted believers who possess a great reputation and popularity. It is impossible to, to grow spiritually when comparing ourselves to gifted believers who possess a great reputation and popularity. In other words, our loyalty and allegiance must be to Christ alone. He is our only perfect righteous standard. Therefore, we must keep looking to Jesus. That's right. I'm not your God. I'm here like, you know what I liked about John the Baptist? He knew his place. He was the forerunner of Christ and he was so much in his place and that was his cousin. And he said, I must decrease and he must increase. And, and then when he saw him coming in John 1, 129, it says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He got out of Jesus' way and let Jesus take center stage to redeem sinners. He didn't say, Jesus, I was here before you. He got out of the way. He knew his lane. He was a forerunner to testify that he is the one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't make a God out of me because you're going to kill me. You, you say, I'm going to kill you by making a God out of me. God will remove me so you can see Jesus. Oh, God. God, you, you, did you hear what I just said? He'll move me. Don't you, make, don't you make no God out of me. I'm just his servant. I'm just a bond servant. I'm just here to point people to Christ. I'm here to make much of Christ. I'm just a child of the living God, just like you. I'm a servant, leader, preacher of the good news of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. The scripture says in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Sometimes God has to move people so you can see God. (laughs) <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? He got to move people. Some of y'all can't see God till he moves some folk. 
When they, when they get out of the way, because you all, you, you, you're running with them, you're so tight, and you buddy-buddy, close-close. You're closer to folk than you are God. And sometimes God has to move folk, cause a paradigm shift so you can get to Jesus. Don't make a big deal out of Sunday school teachers. Don't make a deal, a big deal about anybody. And, and you, by the way, and you're not a VIP either. Amen. You can sit on this front row just like anybody else. That's right. That's right. Because the ground is level at the cross. That's right. No big eyes and little peas. The ground is level at the cross. And all God's children said, and Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for time. And I realize a lot was said. And I pray, Jesus, that you would move people to you now. And I pray, Lord, that people not walk out, but walk this way. Because people need the Lord. There are those with many decisions to be made. And they need to make the right decision. But first, they must get right with God. In Jesus' name, and all God's children say it. We lose when we say we belong to God, yet do not do the things he says. When we surrender our lives, we are saying that we willingly live in total submission to him. Jesus willingly suffered and died for us, thereby paying for our salvation in full. We must stand on the promises of God no matter what the cost, because in the end, we will inherit eternal life free of charge. The price has been paid in full. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.